This is producer Matt with a quick note before we start your episode. The podcast you're about to listen to sounds a little rough. This is because of a recording issue we had in studio, so please bear with us. We will be getting that audio quality back up to par in no time. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Brandon Neely, and I am all by myself today. But this is another episode where we are laying out the arguments for infant baptism. I'm laying out how I came to the conclusion that the children of believers, as as well as believers, should be baptized. I'm showing my work like a good math teacher. I'm not just giving you the answer. I'm showing showing you my work, and the reason I'm doing that is so that you can be a Berean, so that you can examine it yourselves. Let each be convinced in his own mind. This is not something I believe that the church should be divided over. We are divided over too many things and not divided over the right things. But I do believe this is a beautiful, good news aspect of the gospel. And I don't want anyone under my care or under my teaching to miss it. It's truly a shame we've missed it this long, but I hope to remedy that shortly. Would you prayerfully and thoughtfully, with patience, consider all the arguments that I'm laying out in these podcasts and make a decision for you and your family. This is episode 15, and the title of today's episode is, It's Not Just About Logic. That's right, it's not just about logic. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a side note podcast. I'm not laying out another argument for infant baptism. I'm laying out an aspect of faith, laying out an aspect of how someone comes to believe in uh, an aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a little story just to make it sense make it make sense. I was by default an Arminian, I suppose, until the age of about twenty-seven. Yeah, I was raised in a Presbyterian school, uh, Rusas Rushduni quite a famous Presbyterian, spoke at my high school graduation. But I didn't really have much of a home church in those years, and my 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 parents had become Christians later in life when I was a, a young kid. And anyone who's listening to this podcast who's not from Acadiana, just so you understand, we don't have a huge heritage of evangelicalism. We are an area with 84% Roman Catholic, and the rest are Charismatics and Assembly of God. When In fact, when we planted our church, we were, um, if I do remember correctly, the only Reformed church in the region. There may have been a couple of uh, dispensational Calvinistic churches up north a bit, but pretty much the only Reformed church in the region. And so I didn't have a lot of guidance. I, I never had a pastor as a kid, not one that I actually knew or could talk to. But I was an Armenian. Now, I never believed that I could lose my salvation. I suppose I was three-point Arminian or something like that. But it was by default. I had never studied the arguments. Arminianism just, well, it made sense to me with my American, ruggedly individualistic brain. Well, the problem is that all of the preachers and the teachers that I learned under and that I appreciated, well, they they all had one thing in common. They were Calvinists. And uh, there was a time where, after listening to 
thousands of hours of R.C. Sproul and John Piper and John MacArthur, the usuals, Michael Horton, maybe a little Paul Washer here and there, maybe some Vody Bauckham, you know, the internet celebrity pastors. After listening to thousands of hours of them, I just grew concerned that while I hated Calvinism and, and spoke against it and preached against it quite vehemently, they were all Calvinists. Yet I grew so much from their teaching. How could this possibly be? So I actually tried a nice little strategy. I tried to start listening to Arminian pastors. I, I was kicking against the goads, if you will. I listened to some Andy Stanley and I think some David Jeremiah. I tried, and after about a week, I just couldn't take it. Like a dog returning to his vomit, I suppose, I went back to my Calvinist teacher's. Um, fortunately for me, it was God's grace guiding me, leading me to the truth. Though I was kicking against the goads offended by the gospel truth, he held me tight and he steered me in the right direction. And one day when I was walking between classes, I was a Christian school teacher at the time teaching Bible. At about, I don't know, I was about 26, 27 years old, walking between classes and a, a verse popped into my mind, a verse that I had heard many times and studied it, perhaps even preached through it at that particular point in time. It was, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Well, in a flash, I was a Calvinist. It's like the meaning of that verse was finally gifted to me. It penetrated my heart. I, I began to see how if faith comes by hearing the Word of God, that not everyone hears the Word of God, and seeing that faith is a gift... God must direct it to his elect by his Spirit. Faith is a gift. And that faith we find ourselves having, that faith is a possession of ours that we find ourselves with when we hear the Word of God, when we hear the Gospel preached. And like that, I was a Calvinist. I submitted. I folded like a lawn chair because the Spirit of God took the truth of the text and matched it up with faith and gifted me the belief in the gospel, part of which is Calvinism. That's right, and no offense to anyone who's not a Calvinist yet, and, and, uh, and no offense to anyone in any sense whatsoever, because as you hear that, you might be wondering, well, does he believe that those who do not believe in infant baptism do not have faith? Well, it's not that I don't believe they have faith. I believe they definitely have faith. We are not saved by having our doctrinal ducks in a row. But I do believe the ability to see the truth in Scripture is not just about logic. That's right. That's the title of our show today. It's not just about logic. It is a gift from God, illumination of the Spirit of God, the ability to put points together, to connect the dots. This is something that God uses study as a means to give and memorization and preaching and teaching. But at the end of the day, if you refuse to believe something, well, it may just not be revealed to you. Lay out the arguments, Pastor. Show me the verses. If you can connect the dots, I will believe it. Well, take it from me. That's just not true. There's a price to pay when it comes to believing things. And sometimes that price is a lot. To believe something as controversial as infant baptism, well, that could cost us friends. It could cost us paychecks. I do believe it's the cost of that that kept me from... Uh, really diving into it as a pastor, I knew what difficulty it would bring about for the church, and I wasn't sure our church was ready to handle 
the difficulty. There's a price to pay with believing certain truths, and not everyone is able to pay it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everyone who doesn't believe in infant baptism is simply afraid, um, but there are many who don't believe in infant baptism, who refuse to look at the arguments, who refuse to carefully consider it, and they are forced into making up their mind very quickly and emotionally, and it's because they're afraid of the consequences. That's right. You see, it's not just about logic. We're not just logical creatures. The illumination of Scripture, whether it be the issue of Calvinism or infant baptism or anything, honestly, the illumination of Scripture is not just a rational Bible reading mental game. It's not like a math problem. No, it is a spiritual activity. There are demons involved, and, and there's faith involved, and there's sin and the flesh involved, and pride involved. To come to an understanding of infant baptism is going to require the Spirit of God to guide you into all truth. And so, let's just agree on this, that we must study the text of Scripture while praying very, very much. You pray, I'll pray. Let's pray that the Spirit of God would open up our heart and make it possible for us to believe. Gift us with the gift of faith. With that being said, let me jump to our text for this show. We won't spend too much time on this, but it's Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You see, Paul, he was an excellent teacher. He certainly knew how to lay out the arguments. He was a great debater as well. If anyone could demonstrate the validity and the truth of God's word, it was Paul. He preached so well that it was like the Galatians had seen Jesus crucified. Wow! He, Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified to them. Paul was a great preacher, great teacher. Maybe he was not very animated, or, and he certainly wasn't gifted in Greek uh, rhetoric. No, but he was an excellent teacher. He knew how to lay out the arguments from the Old Testament very well, which reading any of his letters makes that plain. But even Paul, after teaching the Galatians, was astonished to find that the Galatians had been bewitched. That's right, someone had cast a spell on them. You see, their belief in the gospel, their belief in the accuracy of the gospel, it wasn't just about the arguments being laid out. It wasn't just about logic. There were spells involved. There was a, a great sorcerer involved. Wizardry was at work. Now, they were, of course, foolish as well. So there was sin at work and gullibility at work. They, like Eve, allowed the devil to cast his spell on them with his charming incantations. You see, faith in the truth, like I said, is more than logic. The reason I held so tightly to Arminianism is because I was bewitched. My eyes were blinded, and it fits so well with the spirit of the age. It took the spirit of God with a powerful gospel spell to wipe away the fog of blindness and pride that was all wrapped up in the teaching of self-autonomy and free will. You see, there's spirits involved, and emotions involved, and fears involved, and paychecks involved, and promotions involved, and friendships, and, well, sometimes you got to eat a lot of crow. Maybe, maybe that just makes it harder to believe. Sometimes you might even have to be at odds with your own family member if you're going to hold to a certain truth. There's a lot going in to whether or not we believe a doctrine like 
infant baptism. No, it's not just like other doctrines. There is a lot of tradition at stake here. Tradition on both sides of the aisle. Tradition going back to the Anabaptists in the 1700s. Tradition going back to the Reformers of Luther, Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and Knox and those who held to um, infant baptism. There's a lot of tradition at stake here. A lot of doctoral PhD positions and, and uh, chairs on boards and presidential offices suites in, in large seminaries and well, it's just not so cut and dry. You see, within the church, it's very easy to believe serious doctrinal error. Why? Well, the devil. The devil engages where the action is. So don't be surprised when error pops up in the church. And don't be surprised when the church takes a long time to come around to the truth. That's just the nature of it. False teachers as well, they're always naming Christ. It's not, it's not as though they don't name Christ. They name Christ, but they deceive. They're subtle, and they, they marginalize Christ by adding to him. And even true Christians can behave foolishly, and they can hold doctrinal sin, and they can have uh, confused and contradictory positions all bouncing around in their you know, finite minds, and that's just the, the nature of humanity and the nature of Christianity in these, in these days. And so, listen, as I said, it's not just about logic. So you need to pray. You need to ask for the Spirit's guidance. You need to consider if perhaps there is something that makes believing this difficult, what would the price you have to pay be? Make sure you can identify that before you go into your studies. I keep saying that we need to be Bereans. We need to search the scriptures and to see if those things are true. But make sure there's nothing in the way of that. Make sure there's no fears or anxieties or peer pressure that might keep you from believing what I believe is being laid out clearly and accurately. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Um, I hope you stay tuned for our next episode and all the way up into episode 30 if we make it that far. Until next time, get your Bibles out, be Bereans, and maybe look over the arguments that we've been laying out. See you next time. 